Hello, I'm Regina Botras and welcome backstage where we talk with theatre makers from actors, directors, writers, theatre heads and beyond. My guest this evening is More Blessing Mature, a Zimbabwean Australian activist, interdisciplinary artist, TEDx speaker, creative director of Folk Magazine, and she's one of the two women at the centre of Darlinghurst Theatre's Seven Methods of Killing Kylie Jenner by Jasmine Lee Jones, which is on the Eternity Playhouse. It's getting five stars and so many great reviews. I'm so excited to welcome More Blessing. Thanks for having me. (laughs) When you read out the bio like that, I'm just like, oh. That's you, that's you. (laughs) So you came here when you were eight tell me a little bit about what you remember from before and then what that was like I don't remember as that much or as much as I think I should I always say I'm not sure what people are supposed to remember at eight years old and I do recall when I came here I think we'd settled really like maybe one week or something before the school term started so it was a very quick deep dive into just life yeah, and because my mum had already moved, like, a, I think a month or so before the rest of us came here because she had work already. So it was just very much, like, into life immediately, which was interesting. Where was that life immersion? Yeah, we initially moved to Chatswood, like the North Shore, which was pretty diverse, just not many black people. Yeah, I remember, like, even, like, that first day of school, I was convinced, yeah, our parents are going to pick us up. And my sister was like, no, they're at work. And I was like, no, but, like, it's our first day. And she was like, and? Wow. So do, do you have brothers or a sister at least? Uh, was it a creative family? Somewhat. So why did your mum parents came out here? Yeah, so generally the sort of, like, wanting, like, better opportunities for us as kids. And it was all sort of pre the GFC so it wasn't as bad as it got but yeah that sort of thing of just like more opportunities and more options and I think I yeah chat about this with Shari Sevens as well who's the director of this play but she that thing of like I say this to my sisters as well often that like we're dramatic the stakes the theatrics is there we'll pull pranks on each other until maybe it's you know, we should have called and seen a couple of <laughs> ago. That thing of like, yeah, like we do have that play in us and that thing of like the actors within like our families and communities are just the people who decided like, oh, I might get paid to do this thing. But there's definitely that like spirit and energy in the family. I'm the oldest, but yeah, everyone else in the family is, you know, responsible jobs. Yeah. So how did you come to be involved in the theatre then? I was doing drama throughout high school and it was always a theme like year nine subjects I mean like even choosing year nine subjects the pressure put on it like at home was like you're choosing the subjects that will then decide your career and your mm-hmm. life forever and I was like I want to do drama and they were like <laughs> um, and then I chose it again for HSC and it was like oh okay when I left high school wanted to yeah, I wanted to do like a three years fashion performance studies. Then I'll also do a three years of psychology. I didn't make it through like a year of uni. Essentially, whenever, like the moment I could, I started doing like indie theatre and stuff like that. And so by then I was just like, or I could just do the thing. And I think also during that first year out of high school, um, met like mentors of mine and 
saw folks who were working in the industry um, with similar experiences to mine and see how they sort of like paved out a career that worked for them. I was like, oh. Who, who are some of those mentors that you had? So Candy Bowers was one of yes. the first yeah. ones, which I think definitely, yeah, just that thing of like, oh, you can do all these things. You can make work. You can perform. Mm-hmm. You can wear many hats. You can also call things out. You can say it like it is and still work like your career won't cease to exist or that you can be some like some of like a jobbing actor or performer on projects that like mean something to you or even just like creating your own work just seeing all those different elements in motion was really exciting for like a little 18 year old performer with opinions (laughs) okay cool it's possible. Let's try that then. Yeah. I was just watching your uh, TEDx talk, which is about calling it out and about, I don't know, this sort of line where you feel like you have to fight for a place on stage. So you decided, it sounds like around 2019, you decided not to go to white theatre anymore. And what whiteness isn't necessarily about skin as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, whiteness yeah. is a concept, yeah. But I think that thing of, Jim Crow era of like don't put your money where you're not going to be served capital as like where you direct your funds being a small but worthwhile mode of disruption I'm not missing out I don't think I think I'm quite fine um (laughs) I get to yeah I spend less time in foyers or auditoriums where I'm just like angry we'll be fine without the Albies and the Stoppards and the (laughs) Shakespeare's (laughs) yeah yeah so let's talk about the seven methods of killing Kylie Jenner. This is is all about putting you and women of colour at the centre on stage. And also what I love, just an aside, is there are nights that you can pay what you like or feel and levelling the privilege of, of theatre. But some of the issues that come up in the show now I haven't seen it so I'm just going from what I've I've read why don't you paint a picture for us yeah so I think it would have been around 2019-ish when Forbes announced via a tweet and also an article that Kylie Jenner had become the youngest self-made billionaire ever Mm. and I remember even back then Twitter had a day with it and black twitter particularly was just like an incredulous proposition that anything kardashian jenner is self-made and also like i think particularly with that family and with kylie that the ways in which they have accrued wealth is questionable (laughs) questionable yeah there's no ethical way to be a billionaire but the particular way that that family has generated their social and financial wealth success has been off of black women so Cleo sees this tweet like 4am one morning and can't not say something and so the play is then sort of following her early hours of the morning I think it goes from like 4.01am is the first tweet to like 7 going back to Twitter and expanding on the methods in which she would go about killing Kylie Jenner because of this slight. And so her best friend comes somewhat to her aid, but possibly also to the aid of the world because Cleo is very much unstoppable. And then once they're both in the same room, it's that thing of 
when the big isms and the big ideas of like identity and the world and the systems we all exist in, how they play out interpersonally and within friends and with people that we love, where it's less you're XYZ and you're over there and therefore we're juxtaposed and you suck. Like what does it mean when all those complex things are in someone that you love and that you see so much of yourself in and yeah, what, what, how do those really complex and complicated, really big ideas play out in like 21 year olds? And it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. Well, just that, just the topic of uh, social media and the, that world is really, you know, is, is ripe for the, the picking and, and the, in the humor. Is it also talking about media? Like, I mean, the power of personal media. Yeah, that thing of, like, the internet isn't slow to remind marginalised folks of where they sit in the social hierarchy. And so, yeah, that, that, it, that it is a dangerous thing to say to say what you want to say with your chest on the internet. And I also get the feeling that, in a way, it's like, well, it's easy to be angry at the world or angry at an anonymous person and someone that you can, you know, that kind of call to arms and to you can't not say something. But when it's someone that's close to you, how do you address those issues to people that you care about? And then there's this sort of friction. Yeah, definitely. You. Working on a play at the moment that also had a development reading at Darlinghurst called No Pink Dicks. It also plays with the same sort of idea of like in that particular plays around interracial relationships between black women and white men and all the all the big picture ideas of like um georgia v loving like the big ideas of race and colonialism and all that stuff we get those we understand those how do they play out what does it mean when it's yeah if, if when it is that person when you're sleeping with the so-called enemy <laughs> yeah when when it and yeah that thing of the complicated of you it's not as easy and it's also not as fair to kind of just be like no this can't happen because xyz goodbye and also we're humans and humans make mistakes and we also have feelings and where does yeah where does all the the hum how does the how does the human the humanity intersect with the theory with the praxis with at the academy what happens when those two things share space so the uh the, the seven methods i keep going to say the seven stages the seven which is another play that's coming up later very soon and very poignantly connected in some ways i think but um shari seven the, is also directing that one so we course. keep saying <laughs> shari's seven methods of grieving yeah perfect (laughs) so well I I imagine that there are similarities in terms of themes between this and Indigenous Australians you know when you look at the website there's lots of things ways you can get involved online too I think you can go and see talks and things and some of them have passed but things like cultural appropriation and the ownership of of blackness is something I read maybe in one of the reviews can you talk a little bit about that and what that means it's a really interesting idea that like Jasmine picks at and like I've seen like snippets of it as well like around TikTok and things like that Jasmine plays around with this idea of digital blackface and the appropriation of blackness in a digital era which is quite interesting because throughout her play 
the actual script, um, she puts Twitter on the page. So she puts GIFs and all the things, the GIFs and the memes that within the document themselves. And even, which is a point where some characters' dialogue lines are GIFs. So for example, like it'll be like Kara, colon, and her line is just a screenshot of the gif of the guy with the powdered lips holding a red cup. Right. That's her line of dialogue to say or to enact. Then at the end of the play, she has a bibliography where she credits all the gifts that are used throughout the play. And the subheading is like, lest our labor be forgotten. (laughs) And it's this really interesting thing of like a startup in the States that's sort of trying to democratize the ownership of data, particularly of black created data. And I think I saw this thing that disproportionately most GIF libraries overrepresent black people and that it has become a common lexicon for folks to use the likenesses of black folks more, more often than not in their regular daily lives that someone has just grabbed, made into like a two second loop and we're using that person to as a stand-in for our emotions or as a mode of exclamation or as a symbol of like chaos or wild or exaggerated, which is slightly different to like the gifts of like people in reality TV and things like that. But that thing of what, what does it mean for us to be using blackness like this, particularly like throughout the play, like you've got the snippets of ain't nobody got time for that and things like that of just like people Black people being black um, <laughs> in public and and we have then absorbed them into this machine, mm. which is capitalism and whiteness and all that stuff that then has separated that individual from their story and from their hum- humanity and has made them into this like commodified entity, which is, yeah, it's so fascinating. And that's sort of like the iteration of it in like yeah in sort of this internet era and I think it's something that a lot of people are still trying to work out their relationship to it I know it's like pick it apart is it is it okay to use it is it is it just a trend and it's cachet or it's something that's cool and if you then you take back a layer and then you see that it's being used to oh yeah Sherry was saying that like it's that thing as well of even like for myself how many of the gifts that I use, do I? How many of them do I know who the person is? The mm. context of where that came from, like, do I know their name? Like that stuff. Yeah. But it's late stage capitalism. What are you gonna do? But yeah, it's that thing as well. If it's like, it's not even necessarily. Jasmine's not necessarily interested in like, do you do this or is this the right thing to do? It's just like this is the world we live in. It's really messy. We're all com- complicit. We're like, we're we're all in it like very actively yeah and also like unconsciously like it's just an unavoidable thing but that thing of like what's our relationship to it and what do we want our relationship to all to all that stuff to be and so like even in our, the digital series that we're going to be doing called seven methods of killing blank that's sort of going to be continuing the conversations that the show sort of sparks up after the season and outside the theatre on the URL as well, because the show toes that line of IRL URL. It just felt natural to also have those conversations and to create those spaces. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> it's re- Yeah, because I think it's also that thing, what are the different ways you can send out an invitation 
to quote unquote see a show? How do you take the story or how do you take elements of that world to the people in different ways? And that's even included things like, like the Seven Methods playlist. People could just tune in for our conversations around these topics. They don't have to come and see the theater to get it. So the digital series, how will that, what is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we'll be doing sort of live streams across oh. um, the different platforms. And that one's been led by either Tonya Bacasa, who's a Sydney-based DJ and like artist as well. Mm. And so we're engaging academics, experts, community members, leaders, that sort of thing across a range of different identities and spaces as well to talk about these themes that we've sort of identified within the play, like queerphobia, mental health stigma, Um, anti-cancel culture, all those sort of things, and then inviting the audiences either before seeing the show or after seeing it to contribute questions and themes, which will also then have attached to it resources um, and places where you can learn more because we don't know all the things and there's also a whole bunch of other people that have done so much work around all these areas. And making sure, yeah. One last question. Part of your uh, TED talk, you talked about when you don't see yourself on stage, reflection of yourself on the stage. Do you think there are more more stories of reflecting your story or women of colour or um, diverse stories on the stage? I don't think up until Black Lives started mattering. No, not even close. Just like a hint of a suggestion of maybe considering doing the work that's required to do that to create that type of work and to create those spaces. I try to be hopeful, but but, um, I think I'm also very, I don't know if it's cynical or just Mm. (laughs) understanding of like the realities of the theme. It might take time, but it also will just take commitment and also will take people continuing to be angry when people don't pull up. It'll take folks and institutions and spaces going beyond that space of guilt and guilt-driven decisions because guilt disappears that's just how humans work we can't live in guilt forever but the work still needs doing so how do we decenter white feelings from the work that needs doing because white feelings aren't reliable um yeah (laughs) so (laughs) what we you know and I think even like with this with this production even with like Hamilton that's up at the moment and also this kind of being we're in our first couple of months of theatre being back that this is a suggestion or a hint at what theatre could be like Mm -hmm. but it also could very much not be that if people don't carry the momentum even like doing this work a lot of folks reference has been looking to Barbershop Chronicles, which came to Sydney as part of Sydney Festival. Yes. That, that's still people's most recent reference and sometimes only reference to feeling that sense of invitation or to seeing that type of work being done to shift how theatre imagines itself. Mm. I don't want to wait another three years. No, there's <laughs> still a long way to go at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, more blessing. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been such a pleasure. Oh, good. Thanks for having me. And that was More Blessing Mature, starring in Seven Methods of Killing Kylie Jenner. And it really is getting such awesome reviews and 
one of those productions that you must see or get online and and uh, check out the bridging work that they're doing with their digital series URL IRL. She's also the creative director of Folk Magazine. She's a playwright. She's an actor. She's an activist. Come online and have a look at her TED Talk as well. It's really worth a look. 